Pray with me. Father, thank you for the good word of God. Lord, we bless right now Asbury University in Kentucky. We bless them. We thank you, Lord, for the awakening, the renewing, the reviving that's taking place there on campus. Lord, our prayer is simple. Let the fire of your spirit and your word, Lord, spread throughout the United States of America. We need you, Lord. We acknowledge it as uh, uh, your feet on the ground, the troops on the ground, Lord. We welcome the rule and the reign of your spirit. We welcome you. Lord Jesus Christ, be king and be Lord here in the United States of America. And Lord, begin in our own hearts in our own realms of influence. But we thank you for everything you're doing, not just as at Asbury, but Lord, just let it spread throughout the whole earth. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been talking about Jesus as the foundation. He's the center of everything we are. We started this back, uh, kind of a reboot, if you will, in 2021. And he said, lay me as the foundation of everything that you're doing. I want to let you know uh, you'll be able to eat, sit with this week. First Peter 4, 10 and 11, encourage you to do that. You're going to get some great, great stuff out of that. Here's what we've looked at on the teachings of Jesus so far. He taught and embodied truth. He taught and modeled God as our Father. The Father's kingdom is accessible now. And then regeneration. And that's kind of where we had left off. Jesus taught... Remember John chapter 3, verse 7, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Jesus taught, introduced new creation, born from above, born of the Spirit is what he called it. Uh, and yet, 69% of Americans claim to be Christian. Only 29% of those 69% claim to be born again. Marry that too. Jesus said, hey, church attendance doesn't do anything for you. It's not about just believing something. You must be born of the Spirit. You must receive uh, a brand new creation by the Spirit and the life of God Himself on the inside. Born again, right? By an incorruptible, imperishable seed, the Word of God. Uh, Regeneration is defined as this, a supernatural birth performed by God's Spirit, whereby we become brand new creations and are infused with His divine life. The life that Christ is now living on earth has been placed in you. Same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you. And you have been placed in the life that Christ is now living on earth. Christ's ministry is still here on planet earth. He's just not in the carpenter suit. He's in you and me. Look how he multiplied himself. There's many sons now. Many sons and daughters of the Most High God, all because of what He has done. So, touch your neighbor and say, you must be born again. Last week, (laughs) we began looking at the different roles to the grace of God. Grace is more than what you say over lunch today. Amen? Grace is more than what we've understood. Let's look at the roles and the the many sides to the grace of God in regeneration, but not just regeneration, because the whole reason we started talking about are you born again to start the year is... Thank you, buddy. I do that for my friends. (laughs) I really do. Let me fix your collar. Um... So, all right, what was I saying? Anybody remember? That's okay. Yeah. 
Right. The whole reason we started talking about are you born again to start this year is the process of sanctification. The world needs to see Jesus. We, we can't in America embrace a theology that says, well, I'm okay because I believe Jesus died for me one day. No, you've got to have life on the inside of you. Is God's presence in you? Is the life of God in you? So that we can, what, be sanctified, not just uh, regeneration, but sanctification, which is the process whereby we become more and more like Christ in word and deed and action and attitude. Amen, somebody. Having Christ-like attitude when things happen. So uh, grace has a role to play in your everyday life. It wasn't just, you know, James met the grace of God the day he got born again and see you later. Thanks, Grace. Grace has a role to play every single day in James' life, Jaretta's life, Stacy's life, Kyle's life. Grace is not a one-time shot in the arm that got you saved and now I'm just okay with God. Uh, good luck and try hard to be a Christian now. Grace, man, not only saved you, it's empowering you. Grace is a person who's active in you, empowering you to choose his choices. And to live and express his life. Let's go to 1 Peter 4, 10. This is amplified. As each of you have received a gift, a particular talent, a gracious divine endowment, employ it for each other as uh, good trustees of God's many-sided grace. Look at this. Faithful stewards of the extremely diverse powers and gifts granted to Christians by unmerited favor, by the grace of God. Verse 11, whoever speaks, let him do it as one who utters the oracles of God. Just means like if someone's speaking, let him do it as though God is speaking through him, that he's God's vessel. We don't need you to share your thoughts with everybody and ask God to bless it and then pray and hope it went well. We want Christ who's in you speaking through you. That's the grace of God. Whoever renders service, let him do it as with the strength which God furnishes abundantly. Did you see what Peter did? He defined grace for you right there. It's strength and the ability that God supplies to you. God's ability. God's strength through you. So that in all things, God gets glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. So be it. Amen. So that's First Peter 4. 10 and 11, and grace is the ability God supplies. It's defined for you right there. How many of you know there's a, there's a grace to be a pastor? There's a grace to be a husband? We talked about this last week. Don't get married unless, unless you ask the Father, is there grace for me at this time in my life to be a husband or a father? Because he may say, no, 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 no. Let me work on you. Let's grow you up. She doesn't need another child to take care of. <laughs> hey, don't I, I love the men in this house. We can speak honestly to one another. And so we need to be asking him, am I mature? Am I at a place? Is there grace upon me to be a husband and a dad right now? How about nursery worker? You better have grace. Well, just... Stick him in the nursery. He said he wanted to volunteer. Oh, no. We'll come back there. Our kids will be duct taped to the wall. (laughs) 
You better have grace. <laughs> Do what? Oh, right, yeah. I, you gave him to me whole, I'm giving him back to you whole. That's the best I could do. <laughs> ah, everybody say, we need grace. <laughs> Look at 1 Corinthians 15.10. This is amplified as well. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. By His unmerited favor and blessing, I am what I am. What's some of the things that we are? We are loved, chosen. We are righteous. We are sons. We are forgiven. We are whole. We are healed. We are His beloved. We're accepted in the beloved. How did we get all that? Grace. We did not deserve it. We got it because He's so good. And boy, we sang about it this morning. That's so good. I so appreciate you coming to worship. I so appreciate you coming to give your heart and enter in. Amen. I mean, I don't... I don't want to be at the church of the frozen chosen. I, I want the church to be alive in love with Jesus. Amen. Yeah, pouring our hearts out before Him. Uh, his grace towards me, though, was, was uh, not for nothing. Look at this. It wasn't fruitless without effect. Some translations say uh, the grace of God was not in vain, Paul said. In fact, I worked harder than anybody. See, grace is not opposed to works. It's opposed to earning. Grace is opposed to deservedness. You didn't deserve any of the stuff you got. But grace works. Grace labors. Because grace is a person inside of you. So he says, though it was not really me, but the grace of God, which was what? With me. One of my favorite parts about the grace of God is it has provided us a with God life. Everything you get to do Everything you face in this life, you get to do with God. You're going to be married, you get to do it with God. You're going to have children, you get to do it with God. You're going to take a new job, you're going to do it with God. You've got a tough test to take at college, you get to do it with God. Grace has afforded us a with God life. Never to leave you nor forsake you. Friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus said himself, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You got adopted, you got blessed, you got Christ's life all by the grace of God. I gave you Ephesians 1 last week. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You're chosen. You're without blame before God. That's what Scripture says. You're without blame before God in His love. You're adopted. You're accepted in the beloved. You're redeemed. You're forgiven all through the riches of His grace. So when you say, I am what I am, you are that by the grace of God. By the way, who doesn't have a true you book? I'm going to give this to somebody. Who doesn't have a true you book? Melena, do you have one? Okay. Page three and four is what I was reading off this morning when the Lord was just washing us in His Word and the truth of who we are. So grace is when you... Grace is when you get something that you didn't deserve. Your sonship, your daughtership, uh, your identity in Christ. Mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. Okay? So what did you get in grace? Well, adopted, blessed, all those things. What did you not get? What was mercy's role? Well, you didn't get death. You didn't get hell. And you didn't get separation from God for your, for your whole life. Do you know that Romans 8 says nothing? 
can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus? Nothing. And He made good on it by moving inside of you. He's in you. So when your little Johnny threw rocks at the neighbor's cars, you remember that? And he got caught. What he was asking for was mercy. <laughs> little Johnny didn't, didn't want to get what he deserved. Okay, that's the difference between, between grace and mercy. But grace does have effect. It does have fruit. Why do I say that? Because in our country, too many people just view grace as a doctrine. It's just something that made us okay or it was a remedy for our sin. They don't see grace as a person, alive, active, powerful, the very ability of God that's inside the church, inside the body of Christ. Well, that's so powerful. It has supernatural effect. It doesn't just save you. Grace teaches you, empowers you, transforms you. I can show you scripture on all these things. And this is important because, like I said, the only reason he saved you is so he could conform you to his image. Everybody thought, oh, it's all about saving. God wants to save everybody. Well, he only wants to save you so he can fill the earth with sons that look like him. Because there's other people on the earth who need to see him and know him and receive him. And we talked about that. Let me give you these definitions here. Dallas Willard says, Grace is God acting in you to accomplish what you can't on your own. And then he said this, Grace is not a separate commodity from Jesus Christ in you. And then I put, Hence, at salvation, you receive the gift of... What did you get when you got saved? Who would you get? You got God. You didn't get a Christmas ham. You didn't get a gift card to Pottery Barn when you got saved. You got God. We got sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. He wouldn't have moved in you if he hadn't cleaned you. If you think he would, you you think he winks at unholiness. He doesn't wink at unholiness. God is absolutely holy. He's so holy, he cleans you and supplied the cleanliness himself. He didn't look to you to do it. The only one that could have done anything about your sin and separation problem was him and he did and so the fact that he went ahead and came in penetrated your heart and your spirit at the new birth is proof of how forgiven you are amen so when you got saved you got the gift of god that's what i'm saying that's what we see in our country 70 percent of us really we're christians man it doesn't look like it it just doesn't look like it. Maybe 20% of us, maybe one out of five are filled with the very life of Christ and have an intimate knowing of God. Willing to put Him on display. Amen? No matter what. I was asked the other day, you know, do you think at some point it's going to be illegal to love Christ and, and preach the Word of God? It may be. It could happen. Ten years ago, I probably said, nope. But it could happen. There's some evil stuff afoot. But here's what I know. If we all go to prison, we're going to have a great church in prison. And the world, remember, every human being is made by Him and for Him. And when they figure out they lack apart from God, they'll run to the prison camps to find somebody that knows Jesus. That's what I believe. So, at salvation, you got Him salvation isn't 
Don't, don't separate. Say, yeah, I got saved when I was 13 and somehow that salvation experience is separate from the person of Christ. You got him when you were 13. Not just a salvation experience because of my hefty believism. I believe that day and by God, I'm a Christian now. Uh, if Christ isn't in there, I don't know what you are. And I also know that 1 John 3.14 says that we know we've passed from death and the flesh, the Adams family, into Christ and into brand new Zoe life as God possesses it by how we love the brethren. So you can't say you're a Christian and not love anybody. There's got to be evidence. Amen. Jesus is the pattern son and he loved well. Now, he did not use love as an excuse not to tell people truth because he did. He was the perfect balance of grace and truth. He could share truth with somebody and they would know that he loved them for it. Amen. How about another great definition? Dwayne Sheriff, who's my pastor. Uh, it's, it's frozen on me. Come on, Holy Ghost. All right, guys in the back, if you go to the next slide for me, please. Dwayne Sheriff. I can quote it to, to you, though. It says uh, that grace is God's empowering presence that helps you be what you could not be apart from Him Amen. and do what you could not do apart from Him. Did you? I love Kenny and Kyle's words. They were married. They were sister words. Man, you, you can't be married if you're not full of Christ. I mean, okay, having a healthy marriage is going to be a challenge if you're doing it apart from Christ. First thing you need to do every day is start receiving. Man, sit with the Lord. Be a good branch and abide in the vine so you got something to give. There we go, right there. Isn't that a great definition? Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God, and then he labored so abundantly. Are you going to take it away from me? Oh. <laughs> that, that's how the boys are when you take their iPad away from them. I'm disappointed. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next slide, which is from our own Don Wheeler. I love this definition from Brother Don. Grace is the force of Christ's righteousness at work in you. Christ's righteousness, man, His person is a force. I am a slave now to righteousness. Romans chapter 6. I am not who I used to be. I used to be comfortable in sin. I was fine with it. But once Christ moved in, my bent changed. I no longer had a bent to be familiar and comfortable in sin. Now I'm comfortable in righteousness. Amen? So I I do have uh, freedom of choice. I can still choose something unrighteous even though my bent is towards righteousness. But I really believe my will has been redeemed. That's what Paul wrote in Romans 6. Thank you, Scotty. I like that jacket. Leave that for me if you get a chance. (laughs) In Romans 6, he said, we once were slaves to sin. So we had that, you know, uh, default, if you will, towards a sinful life. But now my default is righteousness. And it's proof I've been born again. If you you do a big piece of stupid, don't let the devil tell you you're not even saved. You know, saved people don't commit sin. Let Let me correct him. Saved people can absolutely do stupid stuff, unrighteous stuff. The difference is we can't live there. I can't settle there. I can't just be okay with it. Does that make sense? 
Because I belong to righteousness. Man, the force, the force of Christ's righteousness is at work in me. So let me say it again. Don't treat, and I might have this. Yeah, here it is. Do not treat the grace that saved you or your born again experience as a separate commodity from Jesus Christ. You got him when you got born again. And that's how we can, we can see the culture begin to shift because we have so many people full of the life of Jesus. Not full of religion, not full of easy believism, not full of, oh, I signed a card and I joined a church and when I'm dead, I'm going to go be happy over there. Not those people. I mean full of Christ. Full of His life. Let me show you this in Exodus 33. Moses, for all his mistakes, he got one right. Now, therefore, I pray if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you and that I might find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. And the Lord said, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. So we see that, again, the grace of God is his presence. Now, in the Old Testament, he would just come upon people for an assignment. But then the spirit would depart and he never lived inside them. Because the temple wasn't clean yet. Because Christ hadn't died yet. Okay? But it is His presence. It is His blessing. It is His rest. That's what the grace of God is. Verse 15, then He said to him, look at this. Lord, if Your presence doesn't go with us, we don't want to go. That needs to be our mindset. If you're not relying on Him to do whatever it is you need to do, man, don't go. Don't do it. Now His presence is with you. 24-7, He's in you. There to will and to do His good pleasure. But you do have freedom of choice. So you have an invitation to participate with Him. And we'll look at faith next week. What's the role of faith in regeneration? What's the role of faith in sanctification? Okay, we're looking at grace today. We'll look at faith next week. So verse 16, For how then... Will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? That your presence is with us and upon us. So we'll be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth. Do you, do you see the difference? The presence of God should be what we're known for in this country. Oh, they're Christians? Man, the presence of God is upon their life. The presence of God is in their heart. And in their mouth and in their doings and in their goings. Man, that's powerful. Wouldn't it be great to be known for His presence? Well, that's how they're defining grace right here. God's presence is what separates us from looking like the world. You are those who are inhabited by God. You are one now in whom God is visible. People of His presence. Amen. When you get regenerated, His life goes to work and empowers you to choose His choices, prefer His preferences. Well, if He's doing all that, what do we do? What's He need from us? He needs you to listen to Him and do what He says. Is that fair? He's, he's done it all. He's provided everything. Okay, well, what's our role? Listen to Him and do what He says. Take the time to hear His voice, get acclimated to His voice, and then do what He says. He does not need your worthiness. Amen. He needs your willingness. Right. Be willing. Really, Steve? I mean, I don't have to work my head off religiously to make myself good enough. Nope. 
The only one that could have made you good enough already did. If you came to church today so you could be good enough, you're too late. You're already good enough. (laughs) How many people in America went to church today so God would love them? I'd be like, hey, you're too late. He loved you before you started trying to get him to love you. All right, let's look now at Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. This is Paul writing, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. So concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times, take this from me. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you for my... What's grace? According to Jesus, that's him talking. It's strength. His grace is His strength. His grace is His strength. Why 10 years ago did 83%, George Barna came out with the survey, 83% of the unchurched in America were regular attenders at one time. 83% had been to church on a regular basis. They were regular attenders, but now they were unchurched. What happened? They were trying to live in their own ability. They're trying to try hard to be a Christian instead of understanding that His grace wasn't a one-time, the day I signed a card, I got some grace. No, grace is with you and has a role in your life every day. My strength is made perfect in human weakness. Therefore, Paul says, gladly I'll boast in my infirmities that the power, that's dunamis, dunamis power of Christ may rest upon me. Take pleasure in all these infirmities, reproaches and needs, persecutions, which is probably the thorn in the flesh there. All his uh, distresses. I mean, he'd go and preach, right? They didn't take up an offering. They took up rocks. They chased him out of town. Escaped in a basket. He had some serious persecutions. But then he says, for when I'm weak, I am strong. Grace is God's power in human weakness. Now, you're already overqualified for God's grace. Can I get a witness on that? Are you honest with yourself? Apart from Him, you're very weak. Okay, so you're a candidate then. Flee self-effort. Flee relying on yourself. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. Human reasoning. Flee that and rely on Christ and His grace. Grace does not cover sin. Love covers a multitude of sin. I can find that. Grace breaks the power of sin. Well, where do you get that? Romans 6.14. Sin doesn't have dominion over you anymore. You're not under law. You're under Christ. When you see law, you're not under the law of self-effort. Human strength. That was the purpose of the law. To show you in your own ability you couldn't make yourself right before God. So you're not under the law of self-effort. You're under grace. You have Christ's ability in you. So sin shall not have dominion over you. Uh, grace breaks the power of sin. Another reason we, didn't, we need to know, it's more than just what we say over our food. Those kind of things. I love this, what Paul says. It's also written in Scripture. Let the weak say, I am strong. The strength of the I am is grace. Let the weak say, I am strong. What kind of strong? God's strength, the strength of the I am. Sounds like this. God opposes the proud, the the independent, but He gives grace. His strength, His power, He gives to the humble. 
to the receptive, those who acknowledge their need of God. You can have the strength of the I am. Well, what do I need to do? Tell God how terrible I am? No. Just acknowledge that apart from Him, you can do nothing. Just acknowledge your need of Him. And grace manifests. So you cannot conjure grace, but you can activate it. You can activate grace by your simple humility and reliance upon His strength and His power. Thank you, Jesus. Does that make sense to you? You're not earning grace. You're not deserving it, but you can activate it by humbling yourself and acknowledging your need of Him. All right, Nikki put this together. Man, you want to know why the staff loves Nikki? Nikki is the grace of God. (laughs) And I got this the other day because Ron and Annie both said in the staff meeting, uh, Nikki makes us look way better than we really are. Well, I said, that's the grace of God. And so instead of Steve trying to put this slide together, Nikki did. The grace of God, yeah, thankfully, the grace of God came running. Does that make sense to you? Do you know that we all have different grace gifts? We've all been endued with certain gifts and, and strengths from the Lord that we can share with each other. That when I submit my gifts to Jaretta and she submits hers back to me and same with Elizabeth, that we grow in grace. We're growing in grace as a church when we're willing to share our grace gifts with each other. That's way better than fussing and fighting. Amen. We as a staff, I'll just be honest with you. You know, we tried for quite a while to love each other well. And we'd have some seasons and we'd do okay. We'd even read books and try to coach ourselves into it. What we've done over the last month or so is phenomenal. We're we're completely relying on Christ to love each other well. You say, well, how do you do it? Well, we're, we're carving out an atmosphere of encouragement. That's the first thing we think about every day. That if I'm going to have to deal with uh, Gretchen, let's say we have a meeting. The first thing I'm going to say is, Gretchen, you're loved, you're accepted, I receive you. Before we even get to any business. Whatever it is, the business we got to cover today is secondary to our relationship in Christ. Am I right, Laura? Yeah. Whatever it is we got to deal with, Laura, whatever is in accounting... It's totally secondary to how much I love you, I receive you, and I see you after Christ. Now, what do we need to talk about? Does that make sense? Well, that's the grace of God at work in and through us. So here's the many roles and functions of grace. It's 5485, charis. In your strongs, your Bible hub, it means kindness, favor, God leaning towards us to share with us. God's leaning towards you every single day. What do you need to do? You're not causing it. You need to acknowledge Him. Rely on Him. Receive of Him. Alright, so here's right out of Scripture. The grace of God saves us. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Titus 2, 11. Teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly desires. Teaches us to live soberly and righteously in the present age. Grace justifies us, Romans 3.24 and Titus 3.7. Grace empowers us, 2 Corinthians 12.9. Labors in and through us, 1 Corinthians 15.10. Grace breaks the power of sin, Romans 6.14. And then it teaches us to live discreet, self-controlled lives, Titus 2.12. Well, that's better than just something you say over your food, isn't it? 
That's better than something that allowed you to be okay with God back in September of 1977. Grace has a role to play in your life every single day. And you can activate the grace of God through humility and relying upon Him. That apart from Him, we just can't do it. Grace according to Hebrews 4 verse 16 is found in time of need. Right? Boldness. We can approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace to find... Anybody know it? To find help in time of need. Grace and mercy to find help in our time of need. So, what's your time of need? When is that? (laughs) Good. Every day. Every moment of every day. Are you married? You have need. You got kids? I know you have need. Grandkids you're trying to raise? I know you have need. So we find grace. We find it. We find grace in time of need. And that's all the time. Every day. A life of humility and receptivity is a life of faith. Did you hear what I said? I gave you a little nugget for next week. A life of uh, humility and receptivity is a life of faith. Grace is God's supply. Faith is our willingness to receive And that's how we got born again. And Galatians says, just as you receive Christ Jesus, so walk in Him. Receiving every day. A couple more. Scott, uh, you guys can come. Or Stephen, Matt. Look at this one. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Look at this one. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power, dunamis, may be of God and not of us. We, we have the treasure of Christ in a, a faulty earth suit. It's, you know, Adam passed some stuff to us that we're carrying around. But do you know that God's done this this way so that the world will know that what's really happening in your life is God's presence is at work in you? Isn't that powerful? Wouldn't you rather hear that, man, I, I didn't know what to do. I was talking to Kyle and Kyle testifies and says, I didn't know what to do, Steve. So I called on the Lord and he showed me. He showed me the way to take at my new job. You know, he showed me what I'm supposed to do. That That's a great testimony other than, well, I tell you, Steve, I just figured it out on my own. I was pretty amazing. <laughs> Who wants to hear that? That was all about me. You know, I did it. Yeah, (laughs) you sell some books that way. No, we want to hear when Michelle says she was at the lowest point in her life. And she says, you know what? I didn't know what to do. I was broken inside. But I called on him. I recognized my need of him. And he came and he healed my broken heart. And he gave me strength to get through what I had to get through. That's the grace of God. That's the testimony right here. So the world will know what? That we know a lot? That we rely on ourselves a lot? No. They need to know that God is in the midst of our life and our living. And the only reason you can look at me and see me as the head, not the tail, above and not beneath, more than a conqueror, is by the strength of Christ Himself that's at work through my humility and my acknowledgement that apart from Him, I can do nothing. Go ahead and give Him praise. Amen. Amen. Stand with me.
Stand with me. Grace has a role to play in every day of your life. Zechariah 4, 6, last one, says, Not by human might or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I'm asking the Lord to continue to teach us. All of us need to learn how to better rely on Him and not so much in our own strength. And everything, you know, our strength doesn't last, so He he uses it because we fall short, we get tired, we burn out. Think about the burnout statistics in church. I gave you the 83% one. But think about how many people burned out in church. Why? Because they didn't understand the grace of God is who's supposed to be laboring in and through. They're supposed to be at rest and then simply doing what He's infusing them to do. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning, say, but Steve, I've never been born again. I've never become a new creation. But I want to receive the life of Jesus Christ as my life today. I want to receive Him and give my heart fully to Him. If that's you, will you raise your hand up as high as it'll go and say, Brother Steve, I want to be born again. Thank you, young man, right over here by Brother Ron. Anybody else? I want to receive the life of Christ in my heart and be born again. Hallelujah. Amen, Ron. What a blessing. Let's pray with this young man. Say this, Heavenly Father, come to you this morning to receive you, the life of your Son, the very life of Christ. Come into me. Penetrate my heart. Make me a new creation. Recreated in your very image. I receive now this bent towards righteousness and towards godliness. I thank you, Lord. All my sins are forgiven. I'm white as snow and that I belong to you. From this day forward, I'm yours, Lord. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.